This is In Between Stations Radio. Welcome to uh, In Between Stations Radio. We've got kind of a really cold November night with lots of wind out there. I wanted to do a, I wanted to do a special little story tonight uh, that I worked on. As you know, recently my my uh, girlfriend passed away. Uh, it's been kind of sad, and I wanted maybe more, I think not kind of sad. I think a lot sad. And I wanted to. Uh, I thought about the potentiality of what if she would have if she would have lived, and um, if we could have worked things out. And because you know, it was a very difficult life in some ways for Tiva. She was so extremely sensitive and such a beautiful individual, And um, but she had difficulties. And I wondered if all of those could have worked out, or at least some of the things could have worked out. What would have happened between us? What, what would have been the potential for, for our lives? And you know, in this story too, is, is, is the same thing for other people that have had disasters and tragedies, especially in romance or when they've lost someone. So I don't, I, I don't think the story is just about me and the potentialities of things that, the way they could have been or might have been, but also for other people out there that's had these things happen. And so uh, I hope this goes well. Uh, it's a little bit of work. I did it pretty quick. Uh, and I hope there's heart in here and I hope that it can touch you in some way. And, you know, there's so many different ways a life could work out and lives could work out and so much potentiality. And I wonder, you know, if we, if in another place and time, another reality, another dream world, that maybe things could work out the way they, they need to and they should. The love's so powerful, I don't doubt it, and, and the miracle of such things like that. So, without further ado, Let's go ahead tonight, and I'll play this uh, little story for you. So, okay, enjoy. In Between Stations Radio, and here we go. I love you, Tiva. I miss you. This is for you. Okay. I wanted to mention one more thing thing before I move on to the story because I've received uh, several emails and people have asked me questions um, why do I sometimes use uh, a mechanical voice in my my stories and I, I think part of that is to uh, point out the fact that some people approach the world in a different way have what we call so-called disabilities Loving Tiva and spending time with her, that's kind of what I fell in love with, was this special way that Tiva had of expressing her life and her difficulties. And we have to realize that for some people, that might be the only way they hear things or are able to communicate is with this synthetic voice. I mean, they're getting better now. <laughs> but chiefly, I started out as an experimental filmmaker at the University of Utah. And I, and I realized quite quickly that I enjoyed having an unorthodox approach in a lot of my art because it kind of caught people off guard and it forced them 
into a different dynamic than sometimes they're comfortable with. And I've really loved a lot of people with so-called disabilities. I was an art teacher for several years. And when I taught people with profound autism and other so-called disabilities, some were totally nonverbal. Others only used these little mechanical devices, these computers that spoke for, for them, and that's the only way they could communicate. So the technology has progressed in such a way that people in other ways would not be able to communicate with you. So we need to look at the world in sometimes terms I think that are not always so comfortable with us. And I hope that you can feel the heart of the story beyond that and see the two characters in it. Um, and the way I, I think I wrote it, they're both, they both have, there's little clues about disabilities there. And they, and they still have this profound love with each other. And I've known people, one, a couple, one was deaf and one was mute. And they were so deeply and profoundly in love with each other. And I kind of think buried in the story with the possibility of I and Tiva's life was this couple I knew. <laughs> and their love was so profound. Both of them were beautiful people. And being around them forced you to, um, to embrace a different dynamic in life. And we see animals, wild animals, which, which I bring up a lot. And I, I think throughout um, in between stations broadcast I've tried to make things a, a little bit different <clears throat> letting you listen uh, to the broadcast through the shortwave medium and hearing the static and the challenges that come with that I think sometimes things in life get so easy and we get so comfortable with something that it can actually ruin us it can actually it can actually take away from experiencing the world in, in new and profound ways and I think love which is this deep and true love, offers that all the time, pushing you to go beyond what you're comfortable with and rewarding you sufficiently because of that. And so I hope you'll set the mechanical voice aside, the narration. And this is a way a lot of people listen to books these days now, especially people with so-called handicaps or disabilities or special needs. That's the only way they have to hear a story because they can't read it, so they listen to it. Uh, and there's some people have things like Braille. And might I suggest if you've never read the book, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, wow, you should read that. Or there's a, a beautiful movie done in the 1950s, I think, that really embraces the book. There's other movies that's been done and doesn't really, I don't think, embrace this fantastic novel that Carson uh, McCullers, I think when she wrote this, this book, and I think 23 years old, and she never really equaled any of the, any of her other. I, I don't think any of her novels ever approached the fantastic and powerful way that the, the love and the ability to move through love, and then also the the difficulty of not being able to to fully uh, reach over the thresholds of loneliness and loss. And it's just it's a, it's a profound novel. But I, I, I just wanted to explain that because people have had some confusion that's listened to this broadcast and saying, hey, I don't really care for a mechanical voice. There's a reason I, I done it this way. And it, it's dedicated to Tiva. And I love her. Ugh. Just a profound human being. And uh, it, was, it was hard at first to, to, to try and communicate with her and understand the way she looked at the world. But when you fall in love with the person you learn to do those things and I'm so grateful I met this 
beautiful and rare individual Tiva. And so, yeah, I hope you can find the heart in the story and look beyond what you, the difficulties of it that were placed there on purpose, because there's a heart and uh, I hope a, beautiful, a, a few beautiful moments in the story. Thank you. Love you folks. And now let's move on with, with the story. She has been dead for two years now. She left me with this beautiful little girl to take care of. She is as fragile as her mother was. But I think we'll end up being a bit stronger too, when she gets older. At least I hope so anyway. I had to grow up a lot since my girlfriend died. You know, stop crying so much. Be a good dad. Be responsible. Plan for our daughter's future. I'm pretty sure I will never get married again. I really don't want anyone else. Little beam of sunlight is enough for me now. She likes anime just like her mother did. And even pizza too. A short while ago I put her in the little bed. Read through Goodnight Moon and watched her fall sound asleep in seconds. Then I came back out here to the dark living room and turned on Sunny Boy. I've watched the show hundreds of times now. I'm on the sofa with all the soft pillows again. But I'm alone too. Really, really alone. My eyes are closed. I'm not watching the TV anymore. And it's okay to start crying again. Besides I can't help it anyway. She was everything to me. My other half. My best friend. So, I let myself, go back. Go back to what I call the reverse edit. You know, the film of life going backwards at one frame at a time. But somewhere in the middle of remembering how it was back then, I decided to move the cursor on my editing program, a bit faster so I could get back there as soon as possible and be with her again. December 7, 2016. Back then, we made love in our little bed, as we always did, just before fully waking up in the morning. It was sort of like saying I'm glad you're there, I'm glad I'm here too, but let's make here and there into one place. We like all the kisses too, but when we are still half asleep in the early morning hours, we move into making love, pretty quick because it says so much more than the sleepy kiss does. But not with the logic of words and kissing mouths. Other than when she would say to me, Are you awake now? Yes. Can you go a little faster then? Okay. And don't go back to sleep, not yet. Okay. And all of that kind of stuff felt pretty good too, well most of the time anyway. But more than anything it was just a really good way of saying, I love you. It wasn't perverted. It wasn't an obsession for pleasure. It was just something that two people did that loved each other. And to be honest it wasn't that much different from breathing air or drinking water. 
but a lot more intimate because you're doing it with another human being. More so, one you're deeply in love with. And it helped to put us back to sleep. Unless she wanted to go longer. And sometimes she did. Sometimes I did too. I couldn't help it. I loved her a lot. It's 6 a.m. in the morning now. Barely light outside. My underweight girlfriend is sitting on the little sofa pushed up against the floral spread, bed sheets we use for curtains, in her oversized bunny rabbit pajamas that she bought at Goodwill a few days ago. I really can't see over there in the dark, but I know she's sitting on the little sofa with all the soft pillows around her, because I can see the bright red, little cherry, end of her cigarette, glowing in the dark. I say to her, can't you smoke outside? No. Why not? Because I don't want to. Well, you're going to kill me and yourself too, if you keep this up. Sorry. I'll crack the window a bit. That won't help. Why not? Because you're going to smoke an entire pack, even before the sun comes up. And make a fog in this room so thick, that even the world's brightest lighthouse won't be able to see through it. Plus, I have to breathe all that stuff into my lungs too. Sorry. I love you. Well, I love you too Nevi. Even if your smoking kills both of us in the process. She says as a huge cloud of smoke rushes out of her beautiful mouth into the dark air of the living room. What are you doing? I say back to her. What does it look like I'm doing? I guess, you're editing again. Right. Can we go buy a pizza now? At 6 a.m. in the morning? Yeah. Can we have coffee first? Sure, she says, as more smoke pours out of her mouth. Then all five feet tall of her stands up, as she puts out the half-smoked cigarette, in the Hopi ashtray by the Goodwill, 1970s lamp, and switches it on with a click. It's one of those really, dim 40 watt bulbs that barely lights up the little living room we are in. But I can hear her just enough to know she is opening the door and going back into our bedroom now. I keep looking down at my laptop screen. And push the cursor along, clipping out several frames of unwanted footage. So now I let myself go back. Go back to what I call the reverse edit. You know the film going backwards? I move the sound over to match the visual edits. I don't have to hear the audio track. I can tell just by looking at the sound waves that it matches the visuals perfectly. I push save. I can hear her comically rummaging through stuff in the bedroom closet. I get up from my chair and go over to the window and crack it open, letting all that nice, wintertime fresh air blow into the house. Her speech impediment is especially noticeable whenever she says my name. Mike Lowe. I look towards the dark bedroom. Yeah. When we have our baby, I'll stop smoking. Okay. Are you pregnant? She walks out of the bedroom in her bright green rain boots, which make a comical sound as she steps across the wood floor to the sofa. No, well, I don't think I am anyway. Anyway. She reaches down and tucks her bunny rabbit pajamas into her green boots. Yes, anyway. I got my period, so far. 
So far. Didn't you take your pills? Yes. But I forget sometimes. Anyway. I think you should start taking those pills now, instead of me. I'm sick of them. They make me not feel good sometimes. Come on, Nevi. You know I can't take those kinds of pills. Well then, get the kind of pills that men can take. They don't make them for men. Okay then, you have to start wearing those thingers. They are called condoms, Nevi. And I don't have any more until I get paid. Are they expensive? They are until I get paid. Do they have them at Goodwill? I laugh. I doubt they have such things at a second-hand store. And even if they did, I wouldn't wear them, not from there. How about wearing a big, tight sock on your thing then? I smile. Wool or cotton? She smiles back. To be honest. I think I just prefer you naturally, okay. Well, you need to start taking your pill. Or we will have a baby on our hands we can't afford. But I want a baby, no matter what it costs. Nevi, that just can't happen right now. It can, if I don't take my pill. I smile knowing it's impossible to win an argument with her. She reaches her thin arms up in the air, and stretches her exquisitely long fingers, towards the low ceiling that she will never touch. But all five feet tall and one hundred pounds of her tries anyway, to grab the housemaid sky, as she yawns as big as her heart can go. And that is pretty big too. I can see her beautiful belly button showing and that very kissable flat tummy running erotically down into her far too baggy pajama bottoms. Did you have any dreams last night Mike Lowe? I look back down at the blue screen, and push the cursor past all the buildings on San Francisco Street to match the sound, of each car as it passes by the three men standing there. No dreams. Not that I can remember anyway. Well, I had one. She says as she stretches her fingers towards the ceiling again. So, what did you dream about this time Nevi? I dreamed about that big, black ghost man again. I move the edit back to roll B, and watch the tall man looking down at his feet as he says, silently. I'm not really sure where I left my shoes, officer. I shorten the edit, so it goes faster to the cop pulling his gun out of the holster and saying to the tall, nervous man. Put your hands up in the air. You're under arrest. My heart starts beating faster as I look up at her. What did the big ghost do? As she sat back down on the sofa she says. He killed me with a knife. Nevi, stop it. Why? Because I hate it when you tell me about that dream. I'm sorry, but it scares me. I know it does Nevi but it scares me too. Why does it scare you? You're not the one getting killed. So what Nevi, I don't want anything to ever happen to you. And I don't want to hear about that dream anymore. Okay. She smiles at me sadly. Okay. Do you love me Mike Lowe? Yes, more than anything in this world. Then I can have my baby soon? No. Not right now. When? When we get some more money. When will that be? In a year or so. I look up as she reaches down, 
and grabs a pack of native smokes off the coffee table. Cheap cigarettes that aren't really native, but they are cheap. So, she buys a lot of them, and smokes every last one. 24, 7, 7 days a week. 365 days a year. And even though she's pretty much healthy and happy, right now, anyway. I know if she keeps smoking like this, it will be more than a miracle if she lives to be even 40. And that will be her age next year. I look down and smile. And start editing again. So, are you going to the store to get some pizza? She laughs. Aren't you supposed to make me coffee first? She says as she opens the door and steps out into the cool morning dawn. Then I can hear a distant snowplow drive by on our street, as Nevi lights her cigarette up. Her soft voice drips back into the house on all that fresh air. Mike Low. Yeah. Can I buy some more pajamas today? What's wrong with the ones you already have on? They're all wet now. Nevi, why didn't you put your coat on before you went outside? Because I forgot. I take her cue. And get up and grab the fluffy white, fake fur coat off the back of the kitchen chair. The smoke and cold air are pouring in through the front door as I walk outside. My heavy glasses steam up as I look at her standing there, shivering underneath the thin extension of roof over the patio. Damn it's really coming down out here. She blows a big puff of smoke out into the silent music of a billion endless snowflakes coming down out of the golden dawn sky. Mike Lowe, when is Christmas? In two more weeks. Here. I put the coat over her slender and lovable shoulders. She smiles up at me with her beautiful white teeth. Thank you, Mike Lowe. I go back inside the house. Walk past the bright blue light coming out of my 10-year-old laptop computer. The cold air is pouring into the house from outside, with tiny bits of her cheap cigarette smoke drifting inside as well. But I want to know she's okay, so I leave the door open. I listen to the cuckoo clock ticking as I edit, with the sound up a little now. It's a medium shot of the second cop as he handcuffs the tall man. Where did you leave the body, he says to him. I move the sound over to a close-up of the big man's ugly face on roll A as he answers the cop back. I really don't know what you are talking about officer, he says with a fake surprised look. The story goes on and on. Clipping away all the frames not needed. Moving the talking audio along with the proper pace of changing angles and faces. The secondary soundtrack of music underneath everything else is the key to the emotional quality, especially as it breaks away to beautiful shots of the early morning, city traffic. It's an easy job for the most part. I think I could be done as early as next Friday if I follow my work schedule properly. I push save. I'm sure that TV has smoked an entire pack by now as I get up and go into the bathroom. I say loudly over the sound of my tinkling water music going into the toilet. Aren't you cold out there? I hear another faraway snowplow go by as she says back loudly, but somehow softly too. Yeah. But this warm coat helps. Well, it's getting cold in here Nevi. So, hurry up. I hear her squeaky green boots walking back inside the house, as she closes the door softly behind her. I flush the toilet. 
and then walk over and turn the light and rumbling fan on. I look at myself in the mirror and smile. Her red lip prints from last night, are all over my face. I can hear her singing some funny song out there in the living room as the furnace kicks on with a big sleepy blast. Hey. What did you turn the heat up to? She says softly. 85 degrees. Well, don't keep it up that high. Our heating bill was $150 last month. It was? Yes. I wash my hands and dry them out on the Pac-Man towel she gave me for my birthday. I then try to wipe some more of her red, kisses off my face with a bit of cleaner tissue. But it doesn't work too well. Nevi walks into the bathroom and goes over to the toilet. Drops her pajama bottoms and angel-faced panties down, right on top of the wet, green rain boots she still has on. And then sits down on the seat with a hole in it. Mike Lowe. I look at her in the mirror sideways, as I make another try at getting some of the lipstick off. Yeah. Did you lift the lid up when you went pee? Oh. Sorry I forgot. Mike Lowe. Yeah. You always forget. She stands up with her pajamas still down over her boots. And grabs an alcohol wipe out of the box on the sink. Can you please lift the lid up next time you go pee? Because it's really cold and yucky sitting on it. I promise her I will. She wipes my yellow water off her cute, Middle Eastern behind. And throws the wipe into the toilet. Pulls another wipe out of the box and starts cleaning the seat off. Mike Lowe. Yeah. Are you looking at my bare bottom? No. Yes, you are. Sorry. Then she promptly sits down on the toilet. I hear a strong stream of tinkle rushing out. It's very cute. Everything she does is cute. Well, most of the time anyway. She starts laughing. I turn from the mirror towards her. What are you laughing at now? She pulls her pajamas and underwear back up to her little waist, as she stands and then flushes the toilet. So, who put all those ridiculous looking kisses on your face, anyway? I smile at her. You did, stupid. Her squeaky boots walk behind me and stop. She stands up on her tiptoes and giggles. Pee pee man, I love you. And here's another kiss to add to the group. She licks my neck with her wet tongue as she kisses me. God damn it, Nevi. Why do you have to wear that red lipstick anyway? So, I can kiss you more. I turn around and smile as I hold her in both my arms. And what else besides the kisses do I get? Oh, some stuff, she says. Like what kind of stuff? Mumbies. What do you mean by mumbies? She takes my hand. Come in the bedroom Mike Lowe and I will teach you about the mumbies. got around to getting the pizza she wanted from the grocery store. But at 9 o'clock instead of 6 a.m. It was one of those huge bread dough things, that was as big as our entire oven. 
it was close to the place I had first met her over a year ago. I remembered back that I had been in the grocery store that day, getting my usual bananas from the on-sale spotted pile, on the top of the stacked milk crates, way in the back. When suddenly out of the corner of my eye I spotted a strange sort of movement going on across the way. I squinted my eyes behind the thick, coke bottle glasses, the kind I have been wearing since I was a boy. From what I could make out, it was a very small woman walking out of the frozen pizza aisle. She had on a red snow cap that was far too big on her pretty little dark head. It was combined with a black, exquisite Middle Eastern uncolored shirt, the rather long tails had been pushed haphazardly back down into her very baggy pants, pants that were in turn tucked into, big bright yellow rain boots with little duckies on them. The small canvas grocery bag in her arms was completely full of pizzas, and she was having a hard time carrying all of it in her little arms. She moved down the aisle in the oddest and most endearing way. It was like she was some sort of interdimensional being, a little Buddha that only was interested in being kind and with no ego involved. I had a strong feeling that this was a very unusual person. So, I dropped the bananas and walked over to the other side of the store to help her. She looked up at me surprised. Her smile was so bright I thought it blinded me momentarily. She pushed her long, dark bangs back and blinked her huge black, midnight eyes at me. My heart skipped a beat. Hi, she said shyly. Do you need some help with those groceries, I said back. Oh, yes. Please. Thank you. I took the cloth bag from her. The one with the hand-painted Celtic gnomes on it. It was surprisingly heavy. She opened the last freezer door up and pulled out three more big pizzas and put them in the bag in my arms. So, do you like pizzas, I said. She gave me another beautiful smile. I love them. How do you stay so slim and trim, eating all those pizzas? I don't know. I was just born that way, I guess. One of the pizzas started falling out of the bag. She pushed it back in. I suddenly had the strongest, and most crazy urge to say to her, in a joking way. Hey, want to get married? But I decided that wasn't the best thing to say. We walked past all the people in the store. She stayed unusually close to me. What is your name sir? I looked down at her beautiful face and laughed. Michael. Mike Lowe. I smiled. Yeah, that's it. There wasn't anybody in the line when we got to the checkout. The checker man looked down at her. Hi. You want me to take the pizzas out of the bag for you? She smiled up at him. As long as you put them back after you're done. He laughed. Okay, I will do that. She looked at him shyly. I hope I have enough money. He smiled. You always do. I do. Yes, you do. For some reason, I decided to step out of the line and go back and get my bananas. I went down the aisle and grabbed some discount, on the top of the pile, almost rotten ones. Suddenly I realized I might never see her again. I panicked, dropped the discount bananas, and ran back. She was already gone from the checkout. I ran out the store doors.
Once outside I looked all around at all the cars and people moving through the big parking lot. Damn it. She was gone. Then suddenly I saw her on the bike, with all the pizzas on the back in a little, green milk crate. She was almost gone. I took off running. And barely caught up to her. Hey, I said all out of breath. She stopped her bike and turned around. The afternoon sun lit up her beautiful face, as she smiled back at me. Hi, Mike Lowe. Hello, I was wondering if I could call you sometime. She laughed softly. I never had a good-looking guy run after me before. I pushed my thick glasses back up my nose and smiled. I'm glad I caught you. I'm glad you did too. Do you have a pen, Mike Lowe? I panicked and then remembered I had one in my backpack. I took it off, unzipped the compartment, and handed the pen to her. A big 1970s Chevrolet station wagon went by, as she took a neatly folded napkin out of her pocket, and wrote the number down carefully. I noticed her hand was shaking badly. Are you okay? She looked up from her bike and smiled. Sure. I just have a little headache but I'll be okay. She handed the napkin to me. I looked down at her writing. Your name is Nevi. She looked up. Yep. Nevi of Sedona. You're from Sedona? No. But sometimes I play the drum there. Her mouth and full lips were sublime. I tried hard not to think of kissing them. She had little, pretty flicks of gold sparkles of makeup on her cheeks. It made her look even more beautiful and magical. She kept looking at me. With her big, black mirror eyes magnetically pulling me down into her heart. And then I thought she must like me a lot. Or at least I knew that I liked her a lot. Okay. She said, here's my number. I will see you later then. As it went, I ended up calling her over and over for the next four days without a single answer. I thought, bummer. I guess after all, she didn't really like me, that much. But even so I still liked her a lot. My heart really started aching then. In the kind of way that brought tears to my eyes. I really hated being lonely. Then and now. I have been that way most of my life too especially back in those days. Then late one afternoon, the little bell dinged. And a flashing text came across my phone. I looked down at the words on the screen. They had a little flower icon with a smile and little red hearts by them. Hi, Michael, this is Nevi, will you come to my house now, and help me eat some pizza? A few weeks later we accidentally made love to each other after a nice pizza and some ice cream. Then we decided it would be good to move in together, so we could have more pizzas and ice cream, at one place instead of two. And now, a year later, here I am trying to get the last part of this film project done. So, I can pay, I and Nevi's rent for this month. It's already three days late. I better hurry up and get done.
I looked up from my computer. Suddenly I was conscious that the shower in the bathroom had been going for a very long time. Nevi. Nothing. Just the sound of water coming down behind the closed door. I said it a little louder. Nevi. I pushed save on the project and stood up from the computer. I walked over to the closed bathroom door, and tapped on it. Nevi. Are you okay, in there? Nothing. I panicked. And threw the door open. I saw a dark shadow on the floor through the tinted glass of the shower. The water was spraying on it. I ripped the glass door open. Nevi was totally unconscious, laying slumped on the floor against the shower wall, with the water spraying all over her naked body. A thin stream of blood was trickling out of the side of her mouth. I yelled out. Oh my god, Nevi. As I bent down totally unaware of the water spraying on me too. Her big black eyes were rolled up in the top of her head. She was deathly white and slightly shaking. I said loudly. Nevi. Can you hear me? She didn't move. But I could see that she was at least breathing. I stood back up and turned the shower off. And then bent back down and carefully pulled her out of the shower and laid her on the tile floor. And then rolled her on her side and opened her mouth. She had been biting on her tongue, and that was where all the blood was coming from. I made sure it wasn't blocking her airway anymore. But she was barely breathing now. I took her pulse again. The heart rate was weak and unsteady. As I held her gently, feeling her wet, and fragile body against mine. I started crying as I whispered into her little ear. Nevi. I love you. Please be okay. And then it suddenly became clear, that she was having another one of her horrid seizures. But this one was lasting far too long. I knew I should leave her there. Because what if she had a spinal or neck injury? Perhaps too I should have waited until she came out of the seizure. But I wasn't so sure she was going to come out of this one. I picked her tender, wet, beautiful, and slight self up. And then carefully carried her into the bedroom. I noticed she was as light as a feather as I gently laid her on our bed. I was crying so hard. I could barely think straight. Please don't die, Nevi. Okay. We are going to get married. Remember. We can have a baby too. Just like you wanted. But please wake back up. By the time I called 911 and the paramedics came bursting into the house. Nevi was just starting to regain consciousness and I had put a blanket over her naked body. She tried to get out of the bed. I held her down softly. She gave up easily. Why am I here Mike Lowe? You had a bad seizure, I think. I did. Yes. Oh. She closed her eyes again. Mike Lowe. Yes. Why are the police in our house? It's not the police. It's the ambulance people. Oh. Do I have to go to the hospital now? Yes. She tried to get up again. I don't want to go there. You have to. I do. 
Yes. Why? Because they have to make sure you're okay. Do they have pizzas there? I smiled. I'm not sure. Is that where I will have my baby? But you're not pregnant. I know I'm not. Mike Lowe, will you go on the ambulance with me? Yes, of course I will. Thank you. I love you. I love you too, Nevi. bad happened at the emergency room. Just more meds and another visit for Nevi to the neurologist of course. And of course, she wanted to know everything about their birthing center in the process. The nurses and doctors found her baby obsession a bit humorous. With them giving me an occasional wink. And yep, she stole everyone's hearts there too, like she always does with everybody. She even somehow managed to get some pizza from them too loaded with a huge lecture on being underweight. That she definitely needed to be more than 98 pounds. But the 5 feet tall was more than fine. The doctor called me in his office. Does she really eat a lot of pizza? Well sometimes she eats several pieces. But does she eat a lot of entire pizzas? Well, not really. Our freezer is full of them. Does she smoke a lot? Yes. How much? A pack a day. Seriously? Well sometimes she does go a long time without smoking. How long? A couple of weeks, I guess. Then what? Then she smokes 24 to 7. For a month or more. Are you folks planning on having a baby? No. She says you are. Yeah, I know. She has to stop smoking. Okay. I increased her seizure medication. Okay doctor. But this is sure a lot of pills for her to have to take. I know it is. But until we can figure out what exactly is causing all these seizures, we got to try and keep her from having so many with all these pills. She's sure a sweetheart. I know. Everybody loves her. I smiled. Yeah. Me too. Does she have family? Just me mostly, and one sister who pays her a visit sometimes. Do you know if anyone else in her family has had seizures? I don't know for sure. One more thing, Michael. Yeah. She's pregnant. I suddenly went into shock. What? The doctor smiled. Yep. She is two months along now. I was numb. Are you sure? The doctor smiled. I'm absolutely sure. So are you ready to be a dad? Well no. He laughed. Right, most people are not ready. He smiled again. I have seven kids. I said, you do. I sure do. Wow. That's a big family. You're telling me, said the doctor with a laugh. 
and the first one came when I was in my first year at med school. I smiled. Really? Yep. We had no money at all. Was it okay? He laughed. Not really. But I got over it soon. Right after I held our first baby. And after that I was incurable for kids. You love her a lot, don't you? As I nodded, tears started coming out of my eyes. Doctor, I'm worried she could die or something. Why? Because she can be so fragile sometimes. She's a lot stronger than you think she is. I smiled. Are you sure she will be, okay? Of course, I am. But we have to watch out for more seizures. And she has to absolutely take her medication. I nodded. I mean it, he said. I nodded again. And she has to stop the smoking too. That's going to be a big challenge. But I think the baby will make her stop though. The doctor smiled. Yes, she mentioned stopping. And one more thing. He stood up and shook my hand. Put some weight on her. We are not counting the baby into that weight gain neither. Okay. Then as I started going out the door, he stopped me. Mr. James. Yes. Did you know she has nightmares? Yes. Has she ever been hurt by anybody? Not that I know of. Assaulted? I don't think so. The doctor looked closely at me. I think she has been physically hurt by someone in the past. Here let me give you this card of my friend. He is a clinical psychologist here in town. Probably the best one in the state. Doctor, I don't have much money. He does a pay scale. I already called him up. And the state will cover your visit to the ER. Are you sure? Yes. Your girlfriend has insurance. What? Yep. Fully covered. We checked. I should be editing. The project is due in three more days. But I don't want to do it right now. I got better things to do with my time. All the lights are out. There is a warm, sleepy blue light filling the little living room. Over there on the old, Goodwill, sofa with all the big soft cushions, watching late night anime again. Or at least the TV is on anyway. It's called Sunny Boy. It's the fifth time through the 12-episode series. Alternate universes again. Nevi loves that theme. But she doesn't care right now. Because she is asleep on my lap with her head on her big feather pillow. I'm running my fingers through her soft black hair. Over and over. And it's putting me to sleep too. She has her new Hello Kitty pajamas on with the expanded waistline. 
I keep wondering what it's going to be like with a new baby in the house. I think I'm going to like it. Maybe. I bent down and gently kissed her soft white face. She smiled without opening her eyes. Mike Lowe. Yeah. Do you love me? I laugh. Too much, I think. So, what if I was really a vampire? I guess I'd be alright with it. As long as you didn't bite me too much. Or take all my blood. She snuggles closer to me. Keep doing my hair like that. I smile. Okay. Mike Lowe. Yeah. You won't ever leave me. Why would I ever do a thing like that? Because I eat a lot of pizza. I laugh quietly. And you smoke a lot too. She opens her big, sleepy eyes and smiles up at me. Well, I stopped smoking. You did? Yes. Why? Because I want my baby to be healthy. And because I really, really love you a lot. She has been dead for two years now. She left me with this beautiful little girl to take care of. She is as fragile as her mother was. But I think we'll end up being a bit stronger too, when she gets older. At least I hope so anyway. I had to grow up a lot since my girlfriend died. You know, stop crying so much. Be a good dad. Be responsible. Plan for our daughter's future. I'm pretty sure I will never get married again. I really don't want anyone else. Little beam of sunlight is enough for me now. She likes anime just like her mother did. And even pizza too. I miss you. I love you, Nevi. This is In Between Stations Radio.